Wasn't that a beautiful guitar solo? It was really good. And Jim came in and he was practicing this morning and I said, Come thou fount of every blessing. He said, That's right. He said, You recognized it. You know, when you learn the hymns and you sing them, they, they have a special meaning, especially to me in my life. And it's amazing, I got up this morning singing that hymn. I'm serious. I told Jim, I said, I was singing that hymn this morning. I don't know why, but I was singing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and here he sings it. Is there a coincidence here? No. The Spirit of God is working, and we praise him for what he's done in our lives, and we thank him for that. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful rendition of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Lord, we are the ones who are so blessed by your grace and by your mercy that you reached out to us and you are the one who has blessed us so tremendously with salvation and eternal life and all the things that we have. Lord, please quiet our hearts now as we delve into your word. May you speak to us by the Spirit of God. May it touch us, Lord, in a special way today. And we just give you all the honor and glory and pray that you will hide me, your servant, behind the cross, Lord and that your voice would be heard, that the Spirit would whisper the word to our hearts that we need to hear in a special way today. And we pray in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, there comes a time in life where you have to put your action behind your faith. A lot of people say, I have faith in God, I have faith in Christ, but it doesn't show in their life. It doesn't show reality. They have these television shows nowadays. They're called reality shows. They're supposed to show the real life people. And people in the world are looking for reality. They want to see something sincere and true. They should see it in our lives. If we're believers in Christ, we should put our action, our words, everything should back it up. They want to see us walk the walk. We're going to look today at a, at a couple of people that put their faith to action. They showed commitment. They showed perseverance. They showed faith. We're going to look at four men today who carried a paralytic to Jesus. And we're going to see what it meant to them to have that kind of faith. And the title of our message is found in our text. And that title is, When Jesus Saw Their Faith. Turn with me this morning to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and verse 1. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and verse 1. We're going to read the story here about four men that carried their friend to the Lord Jesus Christ and how they overcame so many obstacles to get him there and the wonderful results of what happened because they had the faith to believe and that man had the faith to be healed. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Again he entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was living. Lying, I'm sorry. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose from the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. The Lord Jesus preached the word to many people. He saw the faith of many people. But only on a very few occasions was he really impressed by people's faith. Because their faith went beyond the normal. Their faith went to a faith that really trusted him in their lives. There's a couple of examples in the scripture that I'd like to share with you on that. The first one is the Syrophoenician woman. The woman who's a Gentile, who had no part in Israel, who had no part in the covenants of promise and of the Old Testament law or anything to do with Israel at all. And she came to the Lord and she pleaded with the Lord to heal her daughter who was sick. And the Lord did heal her. But he, he was so impressed by her faith, it said, in Matthew 15, 28, it says, O woman, great is your faith, let it be done to you as you desire. He said, you have a great faith because she was willing to eat even the crumbs that fell from the master's table. Because he said, it's not for the Gentiles to have this. I came only for the house of Israel. It's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. But instead of being offended, she says, yes, but even the little puppy dogs can eat the bread crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he was impressed by that kind of faith, that she was willing to get down on her hands and knees and accept even the crumbs from Jesus, because even one crumb from Jesus can change your life completely, can do great miracles. All we have to do is have just one touch of the master and we'll be saved and saved forever. And that's the blessing of it. He was also impressed by the centurion's faith because he, remember the centurion was the one who says, Lord, all you have to do is speak the word. And, and then my, my, my servant will be healed. And, the Lord, and he says, I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to this one, come, and he comes. And Jesus was impressed by the fact that he was able to have that kind of faith to knew that, know that Jesus had the authority that just by speaking a word, he could change a life. He could change a whole course of history just by speaking one word. So the Lord was impressed by that. And I really believe that he was impressed by the faith of these four men who brought this paralytic to him in, in this passage in verse 5. Yes, we as Christians need to have the kind of faith that is real, that is practical, that is put into action. Not just a faith that's hypothetical, not just a, a faith that is analytical, but it's a faith that means something. That down where we live, he wants to see that faith put into action. 
in our lives. Today we're going to look at four things. Number one, they carried their friend to Jesus. Secondly, they took off the tiles of the roof. They removed the tiles and they got him down to Jesus. And third, they lowered him down to Jesus. And fourth, they saw their friend saved and healed and walking home under his own power. I mean, this is a great miracle. And only the Lord can do this kind of miracle. We sang this morning, he's given me something worth living for. Don't you think that this paralytic who was healed now had something to live for? He was paralyzed. We've met paralyzed people. They can't move. Sometimes they're paralyzed from the neck down due to an accident. Johnny Erickson, for example. Christopher Reeve, for example, fell from a horse. He was paralyzed. They're paralyzed. They can't move. They, can, they have to have help 24 hours a day to feed themselves and to care for themselves and to make it in life. Here was a man who was totally dependent on others, and he had four friends. He had four friends who loved him so much that he knew he had to get to Jesus, that that was the only hope that he had. Doctors couldn't help him. These scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders, they couldn't help him. But he knew Jesus could. And they knew that they had to get him there. And they had the faith to do it. And so that's what they did. So let's look, first of all, they carried their friends to Jesus. The background of this story is so beautiful in the first couple of verses because it says, again, he entered Capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house. A lot of times you hear that expression, Elvis is in the house. And people get all excited. He's been dead for how many years? I mean, so many years. They still get excited. They say, Elvis is still in the house. He's the king and all that. But get this. When Jesus is in the house, everybody wanted to go. Everybody wanted to go. In fact, so many people came that it was so crowded, they couldn't even get through the door to get to him because it was that crowded. It reminds me of that little booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home. When your home is open to Christ, he will come in. When your heart is open to Christ, he will come in. But we have to invite him in. I love what Mike shared today. He didn't know what I was speaking on or anything. But that pardon that Mike was talking about at the breaking of bread, it's a pardon that has to be accepted. It has to be believed in. You have to, to take it. And that's what every person that comes to Christ has to do. They have to take the offer. They have to accept the gift. They have to believe. And then you can be set free. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who can heal. He can heal, he can change lives if we just trust him. And don't you think if you knew that Jesus was in a certain house that you would want to go there? Can you imagine if somebody said today, Jesus is in a house over in Alamo, and you better get over there because at 2 o'clock this afternoon he's going to start to speak and everything? We would get in our cars and we would go there and there would be a huge crowd that's what happened here. The word got out. They didn't have television. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have newspapers back in those days. But the word of mouth got out that Jesus was in Capernaum, and he's in the house of so-and-so, whoever that is. We don't know whose house it was. You better get over there because he's going to be preaching. He's going to be teaching. He's going to be healing. He's going to be doing all kinds of wonderful things. You've got to get there. And all the people went. And I believe that this probably started early in the morning and they started gathering. And by the, by the time he had been speaking for a while, it was so crowded, as I said, people couldn't even get through the door. But that house was the place to be. It was a standing room only crowd. It was packed. If you didn't have a ticket to get in, you weren't getting in. 
And can you imagine those four men when they got there and they realized we came all this way? We carried this man all this way and now the doors are locked. We can't get in. It's too crowded. We can't go in through the door. Front door is blocked. Go around the back. If there's a back door, no way. Side doors blocked. Windows closed. We can't get in. What are we going to do? These men were creative. These men were persistent. These men were not going to take no for an answer. They went up to the roof to remove the tiles to get him in. It really is a blessing when you think about it. How important was it for that paralytic to be healed that day? How important was it for him to be saved that day? It was extremely important. And those four men took it very, very seriously. And that's why they did. Yes, there were four men. We don't know the four men's names. We don't know where they were from. We don't even know how far they had to come to get there. But we know one thing. They carried that man. And it took four men. Can you imagine if it takes four men to carry that man and his bed? Think how heavy that was. And think if they had to carry him from a long distance. And it got tiring. And they probably said, is this worth it? To carry this man, we've carried him for so long. And then to get there and find out, well, we might as well go home. It's too crowded. We can't go in. Maybe Jesus will preach another day. Maybe we can bring him back another day and he can be healed. Maybe we can see him saved another day. No, today is the day of salvation. Today, he's here today. We need to see Jesus today. And maybe you're here and it's today you need to accept him as your savior. Maybe he's been talking to you. Maybe he's been speaking to your heart. Maybe for days, for weeks, maybe for months or even years. And you've put it off and you said, maybe someday I will. Today is the someday. Today is the day to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Those four men took it very, very seriously. We've got to get him there. And then once he's there, that man had to personally have faith in the Lord and receive that gift and receive that healing, and receive that salvation. But they got him there. And that's the amazing thing about it. They carried him for quite a distance, and they brought him there. I was thinking about these four men, and how it speaks of us as Christians. Because as Christians, we want to see our family members saved. We want to see our co-workers saved. We want to see our neighbors saved. We want to see our friends saved. Are we willing to go to the extent of these four men who didn't take no for an answer and said, we are going to get them to Jesus. Somehow we're going to get them to church. Somehow we're going to get them there. But God never forces anyone. Just like in that story of the pardon, his friends got him the pardon, but he wouldn't accept it. If Christ offers you that gift of salvation today, your friends brought you here, your loved ones brought you here, let's make it today that you accept him. Then it will be the greatest day of your life, and you can say with that hymn, he's given me something worth living for. What a blessing to think of it. It's a great analogy, though, of souls being one to Christ, because you have these people, these four men, who brought the man. And I would like to think of these four men with four names. Willingness, prayer, effort, and burden. These were four men. They had a burden for him. They prayed for him. But they took it beyond the burden and they took it beyond the prayer. They wanted to make the effort to get him there. And they had a willingness to do it. 
And it really convicts me when I think of all the people out there who aren't saved. And they're walking by every day and they're... Do we have that kind of burden? May the Lord convict us today to be like these four men who say, Lord, I'm not going to give up praying for my relatives. I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to witness to them and I'm going to let them make the choice. It's their choice. But Lord, please save them. If we had that kind of burden and that kind of passion that these four men have, it would be a great thing. Can you imagine if we had the faith of these four men to do what they did? I think we could say in the, in the modern times we're living, we could turn the world upside down. Years ago, I heard that expression that said this. It says, if every saved one won one and everyone won one one, what host would be one if everyone won had one one? Now, you take that, okay? Take that. Okay, one person reaches another one. And then that one who is one wins another one. And then that one one wins another one. What host would be one if everyone who's one would win one? Can you imagine if we would stand before heaven one day with one soul, just one? How blessed, how glorious that would be if we had one soul saved as a result of us sharing the gospel. May it be more than one. May it be numerous ones. But may the Lord help us to have the burden that these four men had. They carried the paralytic right to Jesus. Romans 10, 13 to 15 really describes what these four men did. Because it says in Romans 10, 13 to 15, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have believed? not believed. And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Four men, eight blessed feet. Each one had two feet, right? So you have four men, eight blessed feet to get him there. They, was, they had to be strong enough to do it. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a funeral where you've been a pallbearer. Some people have. Those caskets are heavy. And sometimes it gets really heavy and they have to have numerous people. And sometimes they ask for volunteers to carry it because it's so heavy. And this man's bed was really heavy. It had the man in it who was unmovable. He couldn't move. He was in that bed. It was very heavy and they carried him. And not only did they carry him, but they had to lower him down on that heavy bed to get him down to Jesus. It was an amazing feat. It was an amazing act of faith and commitment that they had. The question is for us today, am I willing to be the feet of Christ? Am I willing to be the voice of Christ? Am I willing to be the hands of Christ for someone else? Yes, if we have that kind of commitment and that kind of love, the Lord will really bless us. Our Savior told his disciples that when you do anything for me in getting souls saved and, and giving your life in the service of the Lord, it's such a blessing. It says, Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake shall inherit a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Do you think those four men had any plans that day? Do you think they were busy? Do you think they had busy lives like we do? 
Do you think they had hobbies and, and things to do? Do you think they had families and people and to spend time with? Do you think that this was the only thing they had to do was carry this man? No. They were busy. They had family commitments. They had other things going on. But guess what? This was the most important thing that they had to do that day was to get that man to Jesus. Amen. That was the only thing that mattered. Everything else could wait. This is the most important thing. And that's why, if the Lord takes it that seriously to honor their faith, shouldn't we take it seriously as well? Yes, they went and they removed the tiles from the roof. Can you imagine? When the city officials came and started saying, what are you doing? You're destroying this property. You're going to have to pay such and such a, a fee for this. They'd say, gladly. Gladly. How much do you want? $500? Here, have a thousand. Because those tiles and what it cost them are nothing compared to seeing him saved and healed. Nothing. The distance we had to travel is nothing compared to the distance Christ had to travel to come all the way down to heaven to save you and I. They considered it a blessing to carry him there. And they weren't going to carry him home. We can see it in the story. They're not going to have to carry him home. And I like what the Holy Spirit does in verse 4 because it tells us of the tremendous faith that they had because it says, And when they came near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Yes, they had a sense of urgency and they weren't going to let it stop them. And it really convicted me when I thought about this. How many times do I let little things, little obstacles, little things, hindrances, little distractions get in the way of serving the Lord? How many times? May the Lord convict us that there's nothing more important than winning a soul. There's nothing more important than serving the Lord in his church. There's nothing more important than giving yourself totally and completely to the Lord. Because when we do that, it is showing our faith in action. It was, it was going beyond the, and going the second mile is what they did. And it says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. It doesn't say he saw his faith, the paralytic, all the paralytic had to have faith. But he saw their faith. He saw their burden, their desire, their hope to see this man saved and healed. And they knew that nothing was going to stop them. They had a living faith and they backed it up by actions. You know, James says in, the, in his book, he says, faith without works is dead. If you have faith, but you don't put your works behind it, your actions behind it, it's only hollow words. It's only hollow words. You have to have a faith that is, puts the rubber meets the road. Mike used to always like to say that. It's true. He, they, these four men put the rubber where it met the road to get this man to Christ. They had a one-of-the-kind faith. They really had a blessed faith. And so not only did they have to remove the roof, but they had to lower him down, as we said, right down to where Jesus was. And can you imagine Jesus sitting there, maybe in a chair, speaking to the people, everything. All of a sudden, they see him coming down. They see him lower, 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 lower down until he's right in front of Jesus. That's all they needed to do. Get him right in front of Jesus. He knew that was it. That's all that needed to happen, and that there would be a life-changing, radical change if they could just get him there, and they got him there. They got him there. And in verses 6 to 12, it tells us what happened as a result of him being there. It says, first of all, he was healed spiritually. 
because we notice the words of the Lord where he says in verse 5, Son, your sins are forgiven. He healed him spiritually. And then notice in verse 10, not only did he heal him spiritually, he healed him physically too. It says in verse 10, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. And it goes to show the priority has to be spiritual first and then physical second. But notice in the world today, we've got everything turned upside down. The physical is the important thing. The spiritual is way down the list. But in God's reckoning, the spiritual is first. The Lord Jesus was more concerned about his soul than about his body. Oftentimes we pray for our, our friends who are ill and have surgeries and things like that, and we should, but we should pray for their souls also. That's more important. It's more important that the person be saved than to be healed physically. But for this man, he was saved and healed both by the Lord Jesus Christ because they got him there and he experienced that life. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Here was a house full of people, and you can just imagine it. All these people being taught by the Lord, and all of a sudden, all the focus went off the crowd, and it went to that one paralyzed man. And that's the, what that shows to me is, God loves everyone, for God so loved the world, everyone, but he focuses down to you. He focuses down to me. He loves you, Lin Yang. He loves you, Madali. He loves you, Sean. He loves you, Jeff. He loves you, Dave. He loves us personally, and he wants us to be saved. That's why he told the story of the, of the sheep. He said, he says, I've left, the shepherd left the 99 in the fold and went after that one lost sheep. Jesus' attention was on the crowd and then it went to that paralyzed man. He's got a love for everybody, but he's got a love for you. He's got a love for me. He wants you to be saved. He wants me to be saved. And there's nothing more important to the Lord Jesus than saving you. Then, if you need healing, he'll heal you. Maybe if it's his will, but the main thing is the spiritual healing. We need to be saved. What a great blessing it is. That whole house was full of people, and God's love and his forgiveness and his healing went out to this man. And we see in this passage how exciting it was. Now, there was three groups there that day. There was, um, there was the people that brought him to the Lord, these four men. There was the crowd that was there at the scene, and there was also the scribes. Now, these scribes, they had consternation in their hearts for the Lord. They said, who is this Jesus? I mean, who is he to forgive sins? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. If they had just thought about it for a second, okay, who is Jesus? He's God. Who else could raise the dead? Who else could cure leprosy? Who else could cure sicknesses? And who else could do great miracles like he did? Only God could do it in the form of Jesus Christ. And they missed the point altogether. They were in that crowd. So all these people were in that crowd. Just like in our audience today, you've got represented all kinds of different people. But really, it comes down to two people in the crowd. There's two people. You're either one of the four who's saved and want to go out and bring others to Jesus, or you're the one who needs to be saved. 
There's only two choices. You're here this morning and there's only two choices. You can either be among the four, if you know the Lord is your Savior, or if you don't, you're the one. And the four want to see the one saved. We, as a congregation, if I ask you to raise your hand, how many want to see a soul saved today? We'll all raise up our hand. More than one, right? Praise God for that. Let's remember as we summarize it today, this was a notable miracle done by the Lord. Notice in verse 12 it says, Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Can you imagine if you saw that great miracle and you see this man who was carried, he was paralyzed, he was carried, he was lowered down to Jesus, and then you see him carrying his bed and walking home under his own power. Those four men says, well, we carried him here, but we don't have to carry him home. I love that story in the, in the book of Acts where it says that man was begging. He was a beggar by the side of the temple there, and he came up to Peter, and he, and he looked at him looking for a handout, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it says of that man, he says he was walking and leaping and praising God. I don't think this man carried his bed slowly home. I think he ran home, no matter how heavy that mattress was, and he couldn't wait to tell his wife, his children, his friends, his neighbors, look what Jesus did to me. You remember me? I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Now look at me. I can walk. And guess what? There's something even better Jesus did for me. And they say, what? What could he have done better than that? He saved my soul. He told me your sins are forgiven. Everything I ever did, it's all been washed away. It's been forgiven. All I had to do is accept him. I believe he had a great testimony because he was twice healed, spiritually and physically. And so he could bring that good news back to others. It's a great story. It touched my heart. I thought, Lord, help me to be among the four. And then to look for the one. Look for that one who's thirsting and hungering for the truth, who's got issues in their life that they know they need to be saved. Let me come across their path, Lord. Let me share with them what you have done for me. Someone once said, and it's a familiar one, we've all heard it, but sharing the gospel is like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's all we are. We as Christians are no better than anybody else. We're sinners saved by grace. And we reach out and we tell them, look, look what Jesus did for me. Here's what I have found in Christ. Here's what you can have too. And we give them the chance. Now they have the choice. Every person has the choice. The worst thing that we can do as Christians is force the gospel on people. Try to shove it down their mouth. It does not work. That old expression is true. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can lead that person. You can carry that person to Jesus. You can bring him right down in front of Jesus. But if that person doesn't accept him, it's not going to work. This man did accept Christ. And he did get saved. And he did get healed. And he did walk home a new man, a new person. And the Bible says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When he gives you a new life, you don't want the old one back. Can you imagine if this man, paralyzed man said, no, no, I don't need that. I'm just fine the way I am. I'll just take my pallet back and go lay there and not move, and, and I'll just sit back the way I always was. It was sure, it was, it was fine. 
No, he's not going to go back to that old life. He wants the life that Christ gave him, and he's going to live it out. And I really believe we're going to see him in heaven. We don't know his name. We don't know the four names of these people, but I bet one day we're going to get introduced to them, and they're going to say, hey, Ken, these are the four men that brought the paralytic. And guess what? Here's the paralytic. Won't it be great? And there's going to be a lot of stories like that in heaven because every sinner has a story. Every sinner. We all get saved in a different time, in a different place, but we all get saved by the same person, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, and if we believe that we're a sinner and that he died for us and we accept him as our personal Savior, we can be saved today and our names will be written in heaven that can never be erased and we'll have eternal life forever. And then we can join the four. That's the great thing. The one can then join the four and become a foursome to go out and tell somebody else. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. You know, golfers, you golfers enjoy it like foursomes, right? You go out on the tee and you have four people playing golf together. It's very common. But wouldn't it be great if we could have a foursome for Jesus to say we're going to be a force for Christ and we're going to go out and we're going to share with those people that are out there. They're one lost soul at a time and bring them to Christ. It doesn't work any other way. You can't legislate Christianity. You can't say, we're going to make this country a Christian country. Everybody in it's going to be a Christian. It doesn't work. Constantine tried that in the early days. It doesn't work. It starts one soul at a time. It starts with four people bringing one. It talks uh, one person bringing another, and that's what it's all about. May the Lord encourage our hearts today in this story. Are you among the four, or are you among the one? Wherever you're at, don't stay as the one. Become part of the four, part of the family of God, accepting Jesus as your Savior, and he will change your life. Let's just look to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask the Lord to, to do a mighty miracle in our lives. Father, we just want to thank you for your word today, and we thank you for the faith of these four men that didn't stop until they got their friend to Jesus. And we thank you that they had such a faith that not only would they carry him there, but they would take the tiles of the roof out and lower him down to you, Lord. And you saved that man, and you changed his life. You forgave him of his sin, and you gave him a new life, and he went home rejoicing, walking home, a paralyzed man walking. There's a definite miracle there. And we thank you that salvation is a miracle, Lord. Every soul that gets saved is a miracle because Satan is there to say, don't accept him, don't believe in him, do it tomorrow. But Lord, we thank you that your word is there saying, do it today. Accept me today. Accept me into your heart. And Lord, if anyone wants to do that today, they can come up forward. They can talk to Adam. Lord, let them not go through the doors today without accepting you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior. So we thank you for the word. We pray you'll encourage us the rest of the day in our salvation and for the many things you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.